everyone. I'm Jensine Bard, and welcome to Testimony, where truth is told, lives are changed, and hope is given. Revelation 12:11 tells us that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. A testimony of your story for His glory. It was a burden no child should have to carry. The loss of the parent, the unsaid, quote, blame, the guilt, the shame, and no explanation or relief for any of it. So what was this Scottish-born five-year-old heart to do? And how would she go on to become one of Christendom's most beloved authors, Bible teachers, itinerant speakers, recording artists, television co-hosts, and so much more? Ladies and gentlemen, would you welcome to testimony a wonderful honor indeed. Best-selling author of her latest great read, The Longing in Me, How Everything You Crave Leads to the Heart of God. A joy indeed. Please welcome Miss Sheila Walsh. Sheila, welcome to testimony. Our Jensen, it's so lovely to be with you. Well, it is so great to have you here, Sheila. Your book is one I was not able to put down. It immediately spoke to so many of the issues most of us face today, and with a transparency and a humor that make reading it irresistible in my view. But before we get to all of this, in part one of our two-part conversation today, Sheila, would you begin to briefly share with our listeners how you came to faith in Jesus Christ and the pivotal point that would forever mark your life as a five-year-old girl and how recovering from that would take longer than perhaps even you imagined. Sheila, please tell us your story. I was born on the, on the west coast of Scotland um, into a family where my mom and my dad both loved Jesus. And that um, wouldn't be rare in some parts of the world, but in Scotland, where less than 2% of our population even went to church. To have a mom and dad who not only went to church, but who really loved Jesus was such a gift. But when I was five years old, my father had a massive brain injury that initially looked as if it would take his life. But um, his life was spared, but his personality was changed. And my father, from being this wonderful, godly, loving dad, became um, a frightening, unpredictable stranger. And it started really just in little ways. I mean, I, I would be walking past his chair and he would spit in my face or he would grab a handful of my hair and pull it out. And as a child, I thought that I was mm -hmm. just frustrating my dad because he'd lost the ability to speak. And I thought, he's probably trying to tell me something and I'm not understanding, so I have to try harder. But the last day I ever saw my dad alive, I was sitting by the fire playing with my little dog and she suddenly started to growl and I'd never heard her growl before and I turned and in that moment I saw that my father was about to bring his wooden cane down on my skull and I honestly don't remember if I pushed it or if I pulled it but I knocked him off balance and he hit the ground hard and just lay there just roaring like an animal and my mum dialed for um, our local police to come and it took four men to carry my dad out of the house that day, and he was taken off to our local, what was called our local asylum. It would be like a mental hospital or a psychiatric unit, and he was 34 years old. And what yeah. remained in my mind 
after that encounter wasn't even the noise or the sirens or anything else. It was the look in my father's eyes. I was a little tomboy. I was the one who was closest to my dad. But the last time I ever looked in my father's eyes, all that I could see was absolute hatred. And after a few well. a few weeks in the psychiatric hospital, my father managed to escape, and he, he drowned himself in the river behind the hospital. And for me, it was, it was such a devastating end to my dad's story, because now there was nobody left on this earth who could answer the question I needed an answer to. I wanted to know, what did my dad see in me that made him hate me so much? Because children, they may be the best collectors of information, but they are the poorest interpreters of that information. And I just thought there was something so bad that my dad saw in me. So I really grew up with what I call a profound sense of shame. And the way I define shame is different than guilt. I think guilt tells me I've done something wrong, but shame, shame tells me I am something wrong. And what do you do with that? And when I was 11 years old, my mom took me to hear a group called the Heralds. They were one of Scotland's first gospel groups. And I remember that night that the evangelist, Ian Leach, said, God has no grandchildren. He only has sons and daughters. And just because your parents are believers doesn't mean you are. You choose for yourself. So that night, I asked my mom to pray for me. And at 11 years of age, my mom led me into a relationship with Christ. But she said something to me that would have been wonderful news to most people, but I heard it through the broken window of my life. She said, not only does Christ live within you, Sheila, but you have a heavenly Father who is watching over you. And what I heard was, I've got one more chance to get it right. Whatever my dad saw in me that made him hate me, I'm never going to let God see it. I will be a perfect Christian if it kills me. Uh, and it almost did. I mean, I went from from high school to seminary in London to train to be a missionary. God redirected my steps. I ended up working with Youth for Christ in Europe. Then I came over to America and worked with Dr. Billy Graham and his crusades. And from there, I became Pat Robertson's co-host on the 700 Club. But inside, I was still the same bruised, scared, shame-filled little girl who wouldn't let anybody get close to her in case they saw what my dad did. But God, in his mercy, and mercy might be a small word, but it weighs so much. God, in his wisdom and mercy, allowed my worst fears to come true. You know, I've often loved Romans chapter 8. I love it because it begins with no condemnation, and it ends with no separation. You know, Paul tells us there is nothing in heaven or hell that can separate us from the love of God in Christ. I knew that verse by heart, but I didn't know the truth of it until after five years as co-host of the 700 Club, I fell apart one morning on television when a guest just asked me a simple, kind question that I wasn't expecting. My walls just fell down. And by that evening, I was in the locked ward of a psychiatric hospital, just like my father. And I honestly believed that I would never leave that place. I thought that I, too would lose my life in that place. But what I discovered is that sometimes God will take you to a prison to set you free. Sometimes God will allow the thing that you think, if this happened, I will not survive, 
to show you there is no darkness too dark for the light of the world. There is no hole too deep that the Son of God cannot reach and grasp hold of you. And honestly, that was one of God's greatest gifts to me, to take me to the place of my nightmares to show me that He was with me and had always been with me. Wow, Sheila. And no one would ever know watching you as co-host of the 700 Club. Beautiful, vivacious, in control, empathetic, compassionate. People were just drawn to you, drawn to your presence, as they are today. That's why I feel your book, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Sheila Walsh, author of her best-selling, The Longing in Me, How Everything You Crave Leads to the Heart of God. Sheila, how this is such an important read for today in our selfie, self-centered generation, Sheila. This is not on my list of questions for you, but I need to ask you, how does one come to that intimate relationship with Jesus Christ if they don't even know who they are themselves? You know, that's a, that's a great question. And honestly, I think our Father God has such compassion for us. And what I've discovered is no matter how great our longing might be for Him, it will never, ever compare to His longing for relationship with us. And I believe that God will do whatever it takes to get our attention. Because in that first night in psychiatric hospital, I actually wrote in my journal, I never knew you lived so close to the floor. I was used to singing about God's majesty and greatness, you know, as we should, because He is. But what I discovered was the truth of the psalmist David's words, that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. What I learned in that time, in that dark night of the soul, was the greatest news of my life, that I am not the good news. Jesus is. It's never been about us getting all right. It's about Christ who went to the cross to make us right. And when you have nothing left to commend yourself, you know, when in a psych hospital they take all your makeup away, they take anything you to harm yourself away, you're just left with the raw you. And at that lowest, most vulnerable point, I discovered how much my father has always loved me based on nothing I brought to the table. Amen and amen. One thing in your book, you married your first marriage a man that you were counseled not to marry, but because you wanted to be protective of that father figure, if you will, that everyone was saying no to, you were determined, no, I'm going to say yes to this. I'm going to make this work. Can you talk about that a little bit? You know, it, it's interesting. I think that we all long for, for closure and for understanding so often that we you know, we, we long to right the wrongs of our childhood so that we feel more in control of situations that we had absolutely no control over as children. And I think part of me, when I met my first husband, he was quite a bit older than me. And all my friends, I mean, at that point I was working with Youth for Christ, and they said, please, Sheila, this is a, this is a mistake. But in my heart, I thought, no, you just don't understand him. You know, he's been through a lot. He's, he's suffered a lot. Um, and it was so interesting because none of my, nobody came to our wedding, just my, my immediate family, none of my friends. They said, we will be there for you afterwards, but we, we, we will not witness the ceremony. And after our wedding, we were driving um, from Scotland down into England, and we were involved in a 10-car pileup on the, on the freeway. Our, 
in cars were smashed, a couple of people lost their lives. And I remember sitting on the side of the road in the rain with blood pouring out of a cut in my head and looking at this scene of disaster. And I had this overwhelming sense that I was looking at the choice I had just made and the decisions and how disastrous it was. But in my heart, I mean, I've, I've been so careful all my life to want to do the right things that I thought, well, Lord, even if this was not a great choice, you know, with your help, you know, we will make this work. And, and I struggled for many, many years um, to, to hold something together that, that was clearly falling apart at the seams. But when you feel so compelled to, to be there for someone who actually doesn't really want to be helped necessarily, it's just, it's just a recipe for disaster. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to internationally renowned author, speaker, television co-host of Life Today and recording artist Sheila Walsh, whose latest bestseller, The Longing in Me, is sure to catapult and encourage you to new heights in Christ. You can learn more about Sheila's work, ministry, and mission by going to SheilaWalsh.com or BraveheartSisterhood.com and get her book, Get Involved, Get Going, and Get Hope. Sheila, it has been an absolute joy speaking with you today to hear just a little of your story so beautifully shared. We look forward to hearing much, much more next week. God bless you. God bless you, Jensi. Testimony is a global broadcast made possible by the generous contributions of our valued partners at Jensen Bard Ministries and you, our listening audience. Together, we are reaching souls for Christ, one testimony at a time. If you would like information on how you can support this broadcast with your tax-deductible gift, please visit us at jensenebard.com. That's one word, J-E-N-S-I-N-E-B-A-R-D.com. And join the conversation at our Facebook page, Testimony with Jensene Bard. Thank you for listening, and please join us again for Testimony. Testimony.